Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips. Brought to you by the Hunt Lift Deep podcast. <laughs> Just on it as usual. We're rolling. We're rolling, guys. We're rolling. Uh, what's up, Luke? What's up, man? Not much, man, dude. Just living the dream right now. Still down here in Louisiana. Ready to not be down here anymore, I'll be honest. Ready to get back home, get back to Colorado, spend some time with the family. So, yeah. It's going, though. It's going. Forward progress. Yep. Packets, packs it. I can't talk. My packet is up. Hopefully they approve it this time and don't tell me to get fucked. And they let me out of the Army. So that's the plan. Transition out. Do this shit full time. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see. Well, dude, it's on the horizon. We've talked about it several times before, but our fourth season elk hunt is coming up. And it's going to be chilly. A little, a little south of Peru, if you will. It's a geography joke for you. It's a good one. It's my favorite <laughs> one you, you do, actually. I've been hearing that joke for four years now. Well, buckle <laughs> up. Only 40 more. Um, you think we're going to live that long? 40 more years? No, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know if I got 40 more years in me. In the immortal <laughs> words of the warrior poet Bilbo Saggins, I feel like too little butter spread over too much bread. <laughs> oh, cold weather gear, man. Cold weather prep. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Um, you know, for folks that haven't dealt with cold weather, especially cold weather in austere environments preparation is key uh it can get really dangerous really quickly i've been hyperthermic before it's not fun um and you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in in the right position with the right gear with the right fuel craft because things can get you know dire very quickly in the cold especially if you don't have an immediate uh reprieve or ability to to heat yourself back up so get staying ahead of the curb is is really important yeah and it's it can be hard to, to pack for because um, you want to have your layering system kind of figured out. And you're really good about this. You have everything all squared away when it comes to that. But having a plan with every single layer you're going to will wear from your you know base layer all the way out. And then being prepared for not only cold, but is it going to be snowing? Um, is your outer layer, like do you have a shell that's going to not only protect you from the wind, but keep you from getting wet too if there's uh, – snowflakes or you know a blizzard like there has been in the afternoons or worse you know rain like i think the most dangerous weather is that like 36 to 45 degrees you know like when it's it's raining but you got winds or then if it rains during the day and then snows at night so you've got that wet snow and then things are damp and you've got a lot of humidity in the air from the all that moisture and then condensation inside your tent bag gets wet i mean there's you know Knowing one, the forecast, what you're looking at, all that's really key. You're, you're spot on there. Yeah, so I've beefed up my merino wool layers for this trip in anticipation, tops and bottoms. But, you know, my hardest part for me is I run really hot. Like as soon as I take a couple steps, I am sweating. I sweat in the shower, dude. So you got to. You, you taught me, you know, no matter how much it sucks, start as cold as possible if you have any hiking or movement involved to get into where you're going to be hunting. Um, and then you can always add layers as you uh, heat up and stop stop to glass and when it gets cold there. <clears throat> so 
my puffy pants and my puffy jacket and my outer layer, probably my, my midweight layer, honestly, will all stay in my pack until we get to a, uh, more stationary spot. And then I can add, cause I've started too hot before too many layers. Cause just cause it was freezing cold. And then I'm, I'm stripping down, panicking, stripping down. Cause I'm pouring sweat. Yeah. That can get dangerous quickly. Um, you actually have a significant amount of heat casualties that happen in the military during the colder months, because guys will do that. They'll, and like the infantry especially is like really, uh, anal about making sure everybody's starting a movement with no snivel gear on. And cause guys, they'll try to hide and they'll keep a waffle top on or whatever. And then you're doing a, you know, you got heavy weight on your back and you're doing a force March or if you're going up the mountain for a glassing to get to a glassing point, you know, your, your heart rate increases, obviously, right. Your blood flow starts going, you start sweating, you can get hot and you can actually become a heat casualty. Uh, or, you know, you don't, but then you're sweating. And so now your underlayers are getting moisture. They're getting wet. And then when you do stop, now you get that much colder. And now you've got these other outer layers that you put on top of yourself, trapping that moisture in there. It's got nowhere to evaporate, nowhere to go. And then now you're at higher risk uh, to become a cold weather injury when you know your core temperature starts to drop. So the, the key is to stay ahead of it. And so, yeah, starting out cold, like you want to be uncomfortable, like just on the, the cusp of uncomfortably cold when you start your movement. And that's something that I've just learned over the years. And I think it, it it's really held true. And then the second when you stop, don't wait to cool off to put your layers on. Because then you're warm when you get to the top of the mountain or you get to wherever you're going. You don't feel like you need it. Well, go ahead and put at least one more layer on because then that'll help trap that heat. And from your body throwing out the heat, you want to keep that in. And then that way, when as your core temperature starts to come down from the movement, you don't actually start to become cold because it's a lot harder to get warm again in that environment You know when your temperature starts to drop versus taking advantage of it on the front end. Yeah, and then you're chasing that heat, right? If you wait yep. too long, and that happens with my feet oftentimes, and that's a bummer, man. <laughs> it's tough to tough to get it back sometimes. Yeah, what I'm going to do this year because I don't like insulated boots for that reason because I run hot and when we're moving and we're going to be moving a lot, um, I'm, I'm probably not going to have insulation unless the weather just gets crazy and then I'll grab a pair. But um, I've just got Gore-Tex boots. Thick. I'll put on. I'll I'll change socks the second we stop you know, go ahead and take off the pair that I want to move in and then put on the real thick pair and then probably put another pair on top of those and even double up on the socks and then take, I have a, the Kafaru Wubby that I'm a huge fan of. It's really warm and I'll, I'll pack that with me. I like that too. Cause it's a great emergency blanket. Like if I had to sleep out with it, I could. Um, and then I can take that, wrap that around my feet and my legs when we're sitting there just glassing. And that's just another level of, uh, and that just helps your feet not get cold. Cause yeah, when your, when your toes get cold, and that's what a lot of people, their toes are always cold in their sleeping bag because the bottom of the sleeping bag doesn't get the body heat that the top does. And so a couple tricks for that, like in the evening before you get into your bag, is take a few laps around camp. Um, maybe do some push-ups, a little bit of calisthenics. It's a good time to stretch. So get your body temperature going a little bit. Uh, and then you can also, if you're heating up your dinner and you're doing like boiling water and putting them in the, the freeze-dried meals, 
when you seal your bag and make sure you seal your fucking bag, right? Don't no leaks. Seal your bag and as it's cooking, put it in the bottom of your toe box. And it'll heat that toe box up, trap that heat in there in your bag. And then when you get in there later, now you've got your body heat because you got your core temp a little bit up before you got in the bag. And then you also slide um that warm the warm uh bag from the from cooking your dinner, or you can put hot water in an algae and put that in the bottom too. It's another little trick that that works very well and will help your toes not be cold in the bottom of your bag. I like uh, glove liners too, <clears throat> like those real thin like running gloves. I'll wear those underneath my big gloves um, so I can change in between those when I need to. And you still have those tight like next to skin kind of gloves and uh, still have that dexterity when you need it. If you need to get in your pack or, you know, you need to get a finger in the trigger guard or whatever you need to do, rack the bolt, anything like that. You still have the dexterity necessary and you can pop those bigger gloves back on or, or glommets or like whatever you're using when you're glassing or trying to keep your hands super, super warm. Yeah. If I'm going to be in expecting like fairly extreme cold, I'll actually have three sets of gloves. I usually have multiple liners because it's easy to lose a glove and they're, they, they weigh nothing. I, I actually go for snowboarding and skiing gloves more than I do like the hunting gloves. The hunting industry, I think, is still behind the curve on a lot of the gloves. And so I'll use uh, the glove liners and then I'll usually have like a mid-weight ski glove that's like a shorter one, but it's just like a good one to move around in. And then uh, if, it, if it's even colder and then if we're going to stop and be there for a while, I'll have a kind of one that goes up to like the forearm big heavy duty either mitten or glove depending i've got a couple pairs outdoor research ones that i really like and those are those are toasty and having that the mittens are nice because now your fingers are keeping themselves warm you don't have them segmented off individually you've got them in there as a you know as a group so they kind of keep a keep yourself a little more warm within the uh the glove or the glove or the, the mitten itself which is nice Gators too, kind of serving in the same purpose. We've talked about him before, but shout out to Ian Corona. He sent me a pair of Gators for this trip. He heard me talking about it. Beefed up Gators keep the uh, keep the wet off of you know your pants, legs, and your boots. Leads to a uh, more comfortable experience all around. Yeah, if you're post holing in snow, um, or if there's just muddy and moisture, or even early morning dew, and you get the base bottom part of your pants wet, the moisture will actually wick up your leg. And so it can wick up to your leg and then hit your socks and then wick down into your boots. A lot of people don't think realize that. And so keeping that seam from your pants into your boots is key. And if you get like a taller hunting boot, like a mountain boot, um, it looks a little goofy, but I actually blouse my pants into them and then put the gaiters on over top of that. And so now I've got even more and that way I don't have the bottom of my pants hanging down to where they're going to get into that moisture because uh, yeah you don't want that moisture to, to wick up because that can get get shitty really quick and like you know layering is just key you know as we look at layering systems you can everybody has like their own preference excuse me i like you to put a synthetic really thin material that's going to be touching my skin because it'll wick better merino sometimes can hold moisture i mean it wicks but not as well as like a synthetic real thin base and then i'll do my merino on top of that and so then a merino layer and then maybe like a uh, a pullover or some some sort of shell that's like a soft shell 
and then from there you've got your puffy puffy top puffy bottoms and then your waterproof too that you can swap if i'm not expecting really bad weather i'll drop the shell and i can use my rain gear in that you know as a windbreaker as a shell it's not as comfortable but it just cuts out that extra um you know extra bit of kit there because you have a little bit of redundancy so it's just kind of you got to pick your own poison the, the key is to to test it and to practice and figure out what you want it'd be better to overpack on the front end and then learn what you don't need than going up there i was i was on a hunt with a guy luckily it was september but he was pretty ill prepared on his layering systems and you really want to avoid cotton at all costs because uh, cotton has no like wool can get wet and it'll still it still will keep um, keep you warm it still has you know thermal capability once cotton gets wet it's fucked and so you don't have that ability and the other reason i like that synthetic for my base is because i do sweat even if i have a few layers on then what i'll do is i'll actually take like my top let that top synthetic off and then put my merino on when we're sitting in the glass have that on my skin and then i can just hang that top and let it just have some breeze going through it and then let it dry out before we're moving again and then put it back on. And so like, I, I like to play with it that way um, to make sure that I'm not putting, I'm not keeping anything that has any sort of moisture uh, up against my body because you know, it just, it just makes you colder. You'll just lose body heat that much faster. I like that. This probably isn't earth shattering either, but you know, you, you lose most of your heat through your head and through your feet when you're warm. Um, when my head gets hot, I take my beanie off to try and dump some heat, but thinking about orange laws in Colorado, I'll bring a, uh, I'll bring a beanie, um, orange beanie as well as a orange hat, um, to stay legal in that aspect. I know Colorado takes that real serious. You have to have 5 million square inches of orange on. So when I need to dump heat, that orange hat can go on. So it's a little more breathable and not trapping as much heat once you really get moving. Yeah, and an underrated piece of kit for the the cold weather is a gaiter for your neck because you lose heat through your head, but you also lose a lot of heat through your neck. And when that wind is hitting your neck, it can chill your whole body. So putting a gaiter on, and then you can pull it up as a face mask too if the wind's getting really bad. Um, just having it there, it's really versatile. You can use it as a overall head wrap. You can use it as just like a, almost like a headband, bandana type thing. Um, so it's just a good, very lightweight. You can do a lot with them. So I'm a big fan of having a gaiter. I'm excited. I'm too, man. The other thing to think about is if you're spiking um, is so there's a lot of really lightweight tents out there that are essentially just like tarps where you use like a trekking pole to tack them up, but you, you can still tie them down the, in their single wall. So the, the big issue that comes into play with single wall tents is the condensation. And so some of those tents, you got to be really careful on where your toe box is because if you slide down, uh, if you're at a, like a, a bit of an incline and you slide and that water is condensing on the inside of your tent on that single wall, then you're going to be, uh, you can soak that toe box. And it's the same deal where once that moisture hits, it's going to start wicking into the bag and the moisture will actually travel up. And so it'll, even if only a, a bit is touching, it can re really, uh, skyrocket the, the amount of moisture that gets into the bag itself. That's why I actually usually go with synthetic bags, you know, they're a little bit heavier, and they don't have, they're not as warm on a, like a per pound ratio as down. But if your down bag gets wet, it's fucked. Um, 
it, it just doesn't do anything. You can have a, a wet synthetic bag and it'll still keep you warm. So I always look at, you know, worst case, I'd rather have that. And then the sleeping pad, you know, you, the ground will suck the warmth out of you rapidly. Um, and so you want to look at the R rating of your pad. The R rating is like the measure of how insulated it is. So like for like our R4, R5, um, and that's kind of a good baseline, especially if you have a good bag. And I don't get crazy with my bags, right? A 20 degree bag is plenty for me, uh, unless I'm doing something super, I've never been sheep hunting. I've never been, you know, in Alaska in the dead of winter. Like I'm, I'm, that's not the hunts that I'm doing. Even if I know that there's even in negative 10, 15, 20 degree wind chill. Uh, if you're in a tent, you've got your bag. Well, then you just take your layering system and I'll wear my puffy suit in the bag. And that'll give me that extra bit instead of packing that heavier, bulkier bag. So a 20 degree bag, and then you get your down, you know, puffy suit on inside the bag with a beanie on with gloves on because your hands sometimes pop out. Right. Um, that's big. And I always sleep in my bag with my beanie on because to you do lose all that heat through the top of your head. So does Cole because he doesn't have any hair. <laughs> we got to he has to layer up his beanie system. <laughs> he's Cole's on as the producer and his mic isn't live so we can talk shit and he can't say anything about it <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's um it is up, important Cole. it's it is important to to be cognizant of of your heat heat retention um, but then also knowing when to take layers off and really knowing how to thermoregulate because it can you can put yourself in a pretty bad position because it's a it's a snowball effect, right? When you start to go and you get hypothermic, and you need to know the signs, and you need to understand what you need to do, get moving. And it's the same thing with your partners. Is you know that's a whole we could do a whole pot full episode on you know on a cold weather course, especially when it comes to hypothermia. But just do some research, understand what this looks like, because if you feel it coming on, you need to get ahead of it and, and and catch it before it gets bad, because your cognition starts to go. When I was hypothermic, I couldn't think; I blacked out. Um, it's just it's it's not a good situation. So you want to make sure that you you're paying attention to this and you're checking your feet, uh, you're changing your socks, right? Because at a certain point, your feet just go numb and. You know, you just ignore them. That's not what you want to do because then you start getting fr frost nip, frostbite. I mean, people lose toes. Um, so you, you really want to be taking care of your body, taking care of your shit, making sure your boots aren't sitting out in the rain, making sure you don't leave the fly your tent open to where everything's getting soaked when, when it rains. Um, so, you know, there's different tricks and, and things you can do, unlacing your boots, airing them out a little bit. Uh, you can, if you've got like a little camp towel, like stick them down in each one. Cause I always have camp shoes. And so I'll take my boots off as soon as we get to camp, swap socks, put my camp shoes on and then let the boots air out and stick that towel in one, let the towel dry, stick the towel in the other. And it'll help wick some of that moisture out that you got in there during the day, whether from the snow or from, um, just your feet in the, you know, in perspiration. So yeah, just, just paying attention to all that and, and knowing signs, symptoms and how to keep everything dry is really key. Yep, you want to be comfortable. That'll yield a better hunt all around. Yeah, and that's the thing to know too. When you look at your sleeping bag, there's like a survival rating and a comfort rating. So some bags will say, and you need to know this about the brand of the bag you're buying. Some bags, it's twenty. It'll be a twenty degree bag or a zero degree bag. 
that's a 20 degree survival rating. That means it'll keep you warm enough that you're not going to freeze to death, but it's, you might not be fucking comfortable. Might have um, a bad time. And having a bad night of sleep because you're so fucking cold is not ideal. So knowing that, knowing what your bag's actually rated for, testing it in some cold weather where you're not on a 10 day elk hunt in the backcountry um, or, you know, spike camping is, is important because you don't want to find out those lessons when you're on the mountain because that's how that 10 day hunt or that five day hunt turns into a one day or a two day hunt real quick you got anything else no man i'm going through the checklist in my mind i think we're good i think i'm good hydrate it's when you're when it's colder outside you tend to not drink as much water so stay on top of your water consumption um and then eating eating before bed too also helps when your body's metabolizing food it, your uh, core temp goes up so making sure you're eating you're getting the calories you burn a lot of calories when you're cold um you burn significantly more calories when you're cold so staying on top of your hydration and staying on top of your food as well making sure you're getting balanced you're getting hitting those macronutrients knowing what you packed you know a lot of guys will pack just like oatmeal and fucking bars. I'm not a fan of that. I want to make sure I'm, I'm still getting a, a mix of carbohydrates, fats, and, you know, more importantly, protein. And your body, your core temp rises when you're processing protein. So consuming protein. So taking some protein powder, drinking a shake before you go to bed. Um, that'll just fire your metabolism up. And it'll also help with, with ugh, excuse me, it'll also help with recovery while you're sleeping. So. Yeah, I think that covers it. I think that covers it, man. If nothing else, I'll sneak under your whoopee when we're up there. I have cuddled with several grown men when it's cold. Nothing's gay if it's under 40 degrees. It's the rule. <laughs> That's science. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Well, cool, dude. I think that rounds us out pretty good. Efficient. We're close, man. Yeah, we we're are close. Than, we're almost a week away. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to the range on Friday. Make sure we're yeah, I need to get away. back out to the range, get get some distance. I'm real excited. Garrett's been seeing some some good bulls and some good deer, so we should we should be in it. That's what I'm talking about. I don't even check the weather yet. We're probably can look at the ten day forecast. Sunny and seventy. I think the highs were like 50s, 60s when I was looking yesterday. That's not bad, but it's fucking the high country in Colorado. So that shit can change by the hour. That's the other thing. Don't trust the forecast. Don't pack for the forecast. If you know you're going to be at upper elevations, pay attention. Uh, fourth rifle, late season hunts in the back country, in the mountains. We're not really going to be, I mean, we're in the back country. We've got a lodge. It's a primitive lodge, but it's a, you know, hard walls. Um, but we're going to be prepped to spike out too. Cause when you're, especially when you're elk hunting, you got to go over the elk are, and they might not be where we want them to be. So having, having that prep on the front end is important. Cool. Sounds good. Let's go kill some shit. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. We'll check back in. I'm sure listeners, y'all will hear all, all about it. <clears throat> if you got, uh, any tips or suggestions for cold weather gear, shoot them our way on Instagram, hunt, lift, Eat podcast. And we're on YouTube now. Oh yeah. Go. If you like consuming your podcast on YouTube and watching them, uh, you can do that. You can watch Carter and I 
remotely as we look and do a hundred other things on these on these calls uh but yeah go check us out there please subscribe that's key same to this podcast if you don't subscribe please do that um we also launched the fish lift eat podcast as a standalone so go check that out it's a completely separate podcast now so if you're into fishing uh, we got a cool mix of guys from across the country that are a part of it you got casey who's you know the the, the bass guy that's just bringing in toads on conventional tackle on on southeastern lakes you've got uh david stark who's running the fly rods and super into that scene in oklahoma and then justin is all about fly fishing in colorado and the high country and the mountains so we've got a really cool mix of experiences within the fishing world so definitely jump into all of that and if you like this shit drop us a review we haven't gotten any new reviews in a while i think we're gonna i'm gonna want to start on our main episode i'm gonna start reading a couple of them as we get new ones coming in and we'll give you guys some shout outs so jump on there drop a review and uh let us know what you think Hell yeah. Five stars. As always. Five stars. Five stars. Cinco. As always, we appreciate the hell of you guys. We'll talk to you next week.